Gonna be one of us. Congratulations! Thank you. Gotta thank God, of course. Of, my family, uh, yeah, of course. Um, Gucci Granny. You gotta thank God, Gucci, thank Granny. Gucci Granny. <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, hi, babe. Hi, kids. What's for dinner? So these all sound relatively new. Some of them, yeah. Some of them are new. Is that because I had to re- redo everything? Yeah. So you work Hello. IT Hello, everyone. adjacent, mm-hmm. and a lot of your stories Hi, revolve around people reaching out to you and being like, I don't know how, but I erased right. an entire blah, 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 blah. Yeah, sure. And here you are. You the texted The turntables. Exactly. The turntables have turned. How, how did it happen? You, I don't know. I still don't know. I was just because we did. I did a couple podcasts with the girls. I clicked on one email about yeah. me winning the lottery and needing to click here to claim my reward. I opened up the program. I just opened it up. That's it. And they were gone. One of my sets, the set that had all the drops was gone. And I was like, what the hell? I didn't even press anything. All I did was open it up. So I must have done it at some other time. And yeah, I was like, I spent 20 minutes. Kept telling the girls, yeah, just wait, just wait. I can't do this without my drops. Okay, just wait, just wait. And I couldn't I couldn't do anything. And I emailed support. I kept looking. And then eventually, <clears throat> I have some knowledge of the way Mac file systems work. And one of the things I know is that one of the reasons Macs are so quick is because they just store copies everywhere. Mm. So it's quicker to grab, right? Mm. So I know that this program somewhere in this file system has copies of all of this saved somewhere internally that I'm going to have to find. Eventually I found it. The set itself was gone, but all of the drops were still there. So I had to click through every one, see what it was, and then put it in the thing. Put it back. You know, you you start reading about JFK. <clears throat> we talk a little bit about it last episode, right? We talked a little bit about the JFK assassination. Mm-hmm. Did we? And look what happens. Messages oh, yeah. have been sent. I've been hacked. And received. Well, you know what? If you got hacked, I think you looking into the JFK assassination would be the least offense that, that would get you. <laughs> get you flagged Yippee! or the reason why you're currently flagged uh-huh um probably all the log 
mulching videos you <laughs> you watch. What hidden That's message like me. is hidden in these videos this guy watches? Uh, yeah, so I just had to recreate everything. But now we're back and better than ever. I'm a dead man! I'm not a dead man. You blew it! I didn't blow it. <laughs> um, so we, we have a lot to get through. Should we should we jump into it or do you want to bullshit a little more? Uh, yeah, we can get into it. Um, well, we should probably just do True Detective. I don't know if there's much there. I don't know if there's much meat on the True Detective bone. Right. Start with True Detective. I know you had some questions. So we'll talk about episodes four and five. Mm-hmm. Episode four is the one where Navarro's sister kills herself. Any thoughts? She somehow walks out into, into the, the Arctic Ocean or whatever mm-hmm. and is found 30 minutes later. <laughs> but she's dead by then. <laughs> well, you know, the current keeps pushing you into mm-hmm. shore, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, she died and just slowly slipped back into land because <laughs> of the wind and the ice. And Exactly. Um, that's actually a really good point. Yeah. Um, but not one I'm interested in answering. That so, is, yeah, that is straight up just a, it's a TV show point. Exactly. Who, who cares? It doesn't really matter. Who cares? If you want to nitpick and tear the show apart, you're going to love that moment. Which I want to make a distinction here because <clears throat> watching people react to the show, I'm not loving this season. Not crazy about bye it. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. But it's not for the reasons. Nope. I, I, I'm not part of... The haters. Uh-huh. You what know? do you mean? It's not too woke for you? Exactly. Like, I feel with shows like this. You know what I mean? It's a slippery slope. There's mm-hmm. there's no middle ground to be like, listen, I just don't like the, it's just not doing it for me. Not doing it for me. I thought this moment, though, was really interesting. I'm bad. I'm a man. I hate my penis. I shouldn't have drank that. <laughs> they went a little too far with that one. Yeah, well, um, I was trying to think who could even say that. I thought they went a little far with um, with the song, but that but but that's in the next episode. Is it? Yeah, because yeah. the next episode ends with some song. Well, N- Navarro. Oh. The slowed down version of every save first of all save tonight yes save tonight which sent us on a furious eagle eye cherry deep dive eagle eye he's cherry. foreign he's like swedish or something and 30 years later he's still making the exact same music not popular in america obviously still selling out concerts over in, in europe i guess sweden or whatever he's still doing it Good for him. And man. his name is actually Eye Eagle Eye. Oh, that's his that's his name. Given name? Yeah. His last name is I. I don't know what Julia just said that's his name. I didn't look into it. She looked into it. But <laughs> they love to do on this show particularly, but they're still do I I guess I thought maybe thought this trend was over, but I guess not. The slowed down pop song. Yeah, oh yeah. Do do people not make regular slow songs? 
everything's just a slowed down Nirvana song or whatever. Listen, they do, and I listen to it. Yeah. I could. <laughs> That's true. They I need, could they need these music producers need to start reach out to right me. reaching out to you. You guys don't know how much great slow music is out there. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, reach out to me, man. I got you. So, um, so Julia dies. Mm-hmm. Everyone is still seeing ghosts. She sees a ghost underneath her bed. And all the ghosts are pointing. All of the, all of the ghosts Navarro sees are pointing at Navarro. Right. Yeah. Um, She's so full of herself. Yeah. Even the little girl in the next episode that just says, that's one of those where it's like, she's clearly hallucinating. Right. But then the mom does come and pull the little girl away. So mm. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Would the girl really He's probably be? just looking at her, just standing and staring? Yeah. Which kids do. Yeah, yeah. Kids, kids will stare mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. Um, and then they also so the episode four ends when they go. That's the other thing I think that is so disappointing about this season, particularly, is the setting is great. Love perfect setting, and then the end of season episode four is an a per is a great set piece. Great ending. This um sunken or half sunken dredge boat, dredging boat or whatever. The guy with the milky eye. And right, that's when they find the engineer turned heroin addict. And then, but then at the end, and then at the end. There's a Christmas tree on the boat. There is a tree with lights. Yeah. I don't know why that's there. It is because it's Christmas. I guess so. But who's putting that tree there? Oh, heroin addicts can't celebrate (laughs) Christmas. Justin, is that what you're saying? Nope. Nope. Yeah, that is what I'm saying. Christmas for everybody but drug addicts, I guess. Yeah. Um, And then Navarro sees the... It really is a big tree for someone detoxing (laughs) i guess at that point he's not and then navarro sees a ghost again Mm -hmm. and her ear starts to bleed her ear starts to bleed which is what happened to the scientists somebody else's ears bleed in Mm -hmm. the the series in this season um and then is that after she gets beat up it is that's before. That, 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 that's after, yeah. She, yeah, yeah. She gets beat up before. Yeah, then, but before right. she just goes back to that. Um, that's right. Wh- who are those people? They're the guy is the guy from the very first episode where he would w- got knocked out and was drunk at the crabbing plant. Right, but but where are they living? Are oh, those who knows? like they're just always season- outside drinking beer? Yeah, but but <laughs> is that supposed to be like a seasonal worker mm-hmm. camp? Like they're clearly separated from the main town. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's like, yeah, you're you're here for seasonal work, mm-hmm. you stay there or whatever. Um, but she goes just to get the shit kicked out of her. Yeah. Which I understand the need to, you know, sometimes externalize mm-hmm. an internal feeling. I comprehend it. But 
the amount of time that I know I'd have to spend in a doctor's and dentist office, I would never do that. Mm -hmm. I'd rather do anything else to obliterate myself <laughs> than create more need for me to go see than get beat up doctors and dentists. <laughs> yeah. Sure. You know, one cracked tooth, you're dealing <coughs> at three trips minimum to, to a dentist. Yeah. Well, I went to the ER a couple weeks ago and I just got a bill in the mail a couple days ago for $300. And I was like, Oh, $300. I got off easy, easy street, right? That's not a big deal. I logged into my chart mm -hmm. yesterday just to look at some stuff. I got $3,000 in bills coming towards me and just haven't showed up yet. <laughs> that shit is expensive. That's wild. Yeah. Get your health coverage. Let me talk to your boss. Yeah. I don't think my health coverage is good either. <laughs> I don't. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say you don't have health. health. <laughs> it just doesn't exist. Whatever you've signed up for, it's it's a retirement fund, I think, is what yeah, you, maybe. Think, you think you're paying into. Because, yeah, every time you have anything done. For me, I got pissed off because I had to pay for this prescription that's normally free. Mm -hmm. uh, and a little bill came up. Not a lot, but I was offended. Yeah. Like, no, excuse me. This needs to be. Gone. I got a prescription filled yesterday and I, it was a new prescription. So I didn't know how much it was going to be. So I went to the CVS. $10. And they call you and say, oh, right. there's another $100 bill. I went to the CVS <laughs> and I, she gives me my prescription and then she goes, 29 cents. I was like, I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know because I went to grab my debit card. I'm like, I'm thinking I can't put 29. Why am I putting 29 cents on my debit card? Well, what else am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. 29 cents. Guess I want to be like, you can't just, you don't have like a quarter floating around in there somewhere. Just there should be a prescription like coin jar. <laughs> right. Everybody can just kind of draw from like if it's under 30 cents, especially, yeah, 29 cents. Yeah. Th th there should be something, an agreement. Right. That is dealt with the place and the insurance. Yeah, just like, roll it over. Char ch charge me when I'm up to a dollar. <laughs> exactly. I promise not to die before this gets to right. a dollar. Or do my best. This is costing you more to process the, the debit payment. card payment than it is yeah it's not even worth it well when they asked me because mine wasn't my bill wasn't big either they were like is this debit or credit and mm -hmm. i almost went like you know credit mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure that adds an extra fee for you all <laughs> run as credit yeah because you're gonna get a little bit less <laughs> yeah all right um that's the end of episode four any thoughts particular the about that four, episode and we didn't cover the beginning of four no that was well the beginning is oh the beginning is just her sister getting found that was the other kind of thing i kind of had an issue with mm -hmm. we don't ever get anything on navarro's sister like her mental illness the only examples we see of it is her just walking around by herself and she, then it's like, oh, visions. you're not supposed to be here. She has visions. Yeah, she does. But I'm saying, like, it seems like a pretty calm, like. Say it. 
mental illness or whatever. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, there's no other. There's no. You can't give us something to show us how tortured she is. It's just oh, uh, Danvers is driving down the road and she sees Julia walking out in the street. Now we get to see, and she's not even like freaking out. She's just walking outside. Justin, she doesn't seem upset. The mental health <laughs> professional who gets to say. Yours doesn't seem that bad. Get out of here. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is give, show it to me. Give me more than her just walking around in the road. She's having visions. They show you the visions. Yeah, I guess at the very end. I mean, maybe we see more of them. I don't remember at this point, but. Listen, her mental illness is, she's responding as I think I would with the equal just so take you, your clothes off and walk outside. Yeah, you can sit on your high hat. I was going to say high, but mm-hmm. your tower, your ivory tower mm-hmm. and look down on people. I'm not looking have, down. I'm not looking yeah, down. I'm saying I want to see it. Terrifying visions of ghosts and say, yeah, that's not enough for you to be acting like, like that. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. I said, I, oh I believe gosh. it. I believe her. I just wanted to see it. I want to see if, a better example of it than walking around in the road. I, and a spooky ghost she sees in the corner or whatever. I'm going to write a skit and send it into SNL. I'll be like, you're welcome. And it's going to be, it's going to be a like therapist, like a supernatural therapist mm-hmm. who will like ask you like, okay, what visions are you seeing? Ghosts? Are they clothed? Okay. They're clothed. <laughs> are they, do they talk to you directly? Okay. They don't talk to you directly. You're fine. Get yeah, out of here. Get out of here. Like, come, come back when somebody's naked. Yeah. No, or they're screaming at you. <laughs> exactly. Or both. When they make eye contact with you, then come back. Right. If, if it's naked, if it's both, you're too late. Yeah, Just too late. go walk into the ocean. Forget about it. <laughs> That's what I want. Like, what would the levels be? Are they naked? Right. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> He just has like three boxes that he's checking off. Okay, they're not even no, naked. Not okay. Naked. Oh, right. And you came to see me? Right. Okay. <laughs> um, next. Um, open wounds on them. Can you see any open wounds? <laughs> no open wounds. Okay. Well. Uh, and so then episode five starts a week later. Did you pick up on that? Yeah. Okay, because a lot of people on the subreddit did not. A lot of posts on the subreddit, why is Navarro healed suddenly? She's healed overnight. What kind of shows is da-da-da-da-da? Bunch of big dummies. Can't even see the date that shows up at the beginning of the show. Come on, dummies. Yeah, anyway. Um, So the episode five takes place a week later, and I think it opens with her sister being cremated, right? Yeah. Which immediately I thought, you see the lady just reaching in and like pulling out the ashes. Mm-hmm. Number one, what do you think? Is she making minimum wage? <laughs> what, 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 what would you guess on a job like that? You're probably making good money. I mean, she's not just a, is, is a, do they just cremate? They're just cremate ores or is she like an autopsy lady? I don't think you would need the medical examiner. Yeah, she probably works for like a funeral home, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how it works. My dad was cremated, but my mom took care of all that. Could you? Could you do that? Could I do it? Cremate somebody? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Why not? You see, I think about that all the time. I'm like, if what if I made enough money to not have to like do a full job, but I would need like a lesser a side pay. job. I would just need a steady mm-hmm. source of income. And so I just want like a low stakes job where you can just pull a lever and burn a body and then pull the ashes. <laughs> like that to me would be better than, you know, my mind goes like security guard. Oh yeah. I'll be a yeah. security guard overnight somewhere, you know, keep the money rolling in that. And that's fine. But yeah, could I be a cremator? Mm. Uh, yeah, I know I could. I mean, I'm pretty sure I could. I think, I think the problem is after enough with me being alone, my imagination would go crazy. I, I think that job, mm-hmm. if I did it alone long enough, I think it probably would make me insane. Mm-hmm. I would start seeing things and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about in the last episode comes up in this episode. We didn't talk about Peter and his wife. These are the plot lines that I always wonder. Did we get too much or not enough of? Right. Because it's the, it's the same tired trope being played out. I'm here with the kids. You're in your job. We're growing apart, you know, stuff like that. That I'm like, yeah, I, I don't show me less. Yeah, exactly. Or give me something else. Cause yeah, it's kind of both. It feels like because we got, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it doesn't need to be there. And it feels, it feels a little silly how quickly it escalates. If it makes me feel bad for the, uh, actor playing his wife. Cause all she did the entire season yeah. so far, it just, Sit there and stare him from another room and go, right. really? Really? Yeah. You're going to let her make you go, really? You know? Um, yeah. But it went from, I mean, the course of a week, it went from, or I guess two weeks now since this takes place a week later. The first week is just, you know what I mean? Like, they really, they threw in the towel pretty quick. Well, he <laughs> asked that question, right, when he's laying down to go sleep where he's like, do you even love me anymore or something like he that? He says something like, the the insinuation is she's angry at him for getting her pregnant and her not being mm-hmm. able to like follow her dreams and move somewhere else or something. Right. Yeah. And it, yeah, it comes after a, a week of some light bickering. And that's the most context. And then, in right. The and then a week later line. he's moved out. He's kicked out. <laughs> the other thing that I was thinking about is like, he takes it pretty well, like, he just yeah. kind of seems passive about yeah. everything. Just he's in uh, her shed at the end. Just like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's like, just go stay in my shed. Yeah. Okay. And, no. Exactly. And I'm like, thinking, okay, he's going to get to the shed and there's going to have something set up for him. No, it's just, just her shed. And he seems like he, I literally, I was like, he's just like a cow. Yeah. <laughs> just being led around being like, oh, well, at the same time though, he's the only one doing any actual detective work. Yeah. He's the only one that figures shit out. He caught them on the Wheeler thing. How one of them killed the guy. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so episode five, 
Body's cremated. Peter gets kicked out, goes to live with his dad. Um, Danvers ha- has the confrontation with Connolly and the lady from the mining company, which felt a little um, on the nose. I don't know if that whole sequence needed to be in the show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That that paired with then Hank meets with the lady. No, I'm sorry. The Danvers thing was fine. Hank meeting with the lady was too much. Yeah, it was very directly like I'm conspiring to do this. Okay, <laughs> and I'm going to help you conspire to do that. It's like we don't. I had kind of assumed this up until the point, and then the way the episode ends, I think he could have figured it out. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so you had some questions about the end of episode five, which it's episode five. There's one left and the episode five, episode five obviously ramps up really quick right at yeah. the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. And you know, something had to have happened because we've had kind of five episodes of not much happening. So what do you think of the ending? Hank shows up. Danvers, first of all, gives Otis heroin. (laughs) And then Hank shows up, shoots Otis. You know, this whole time I was wondering kind of like, how did you know I I texted you? You texted me, yeah. Yeah, I I forgot I did that. Um, Okay, so here are my two questions I texted you. Did that did that escalate quickly for anyone else, or was I not paying close enough attention? Did Pete have to shoot his dad? Yeah, th- see, that wasn't a question all over the subreddit. I thought it was pretty clear in my mind what had happened, and uh, it. I think, practically speaking, it did escalate very quickly but watching it i didn't feel like it was i felt like i was able to follow along so here's here's my interpretation i guess you can tell me okay. if, if this is right or wrong so he You're obviously wrong. is there to kill no. the heroin guy so hank is there because the mining lady has told him to Get rid of Otis. Right. And then he, he wants says her job. Right. He says, I'm not a killer. I'm not that type of person. Da, 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 da. But he wants the chief of police job. Exactly. He wants right. to, so he goes there, does part one, kills the guy. Uh-huh. Number two, for Pete to walk in at that moment, I almost laughed out loud. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's yes. just the perfect timing. They just need what they needed was an insert of of Pete trying to sleep in the shed, hearing a gunshot and hopping up and running inside. Exactly. (laughs) So Pete immediately pops up. And now Mm -hmm. he is faced with. Getting his son in on this plot Mm -hmm. right and now 
he maybe sees a chance to knock out, knock off Danvers. Danvers. Mm-hmm. So he is thinking, okay, this is where we draw the line in the sand. I accused Danvers of stealing my son earlier. This is where I draw the line and my son chooses me mm-hmm. over her. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to kind of force the issue by right. shooting, shooting Danvers. Danvers. Uh-huh. Uh, no, that's not how I read it. Okay. I took it as the opposite, actually. So to me, it's it it played out as Hank has that moment in the car where he says he clearly doesn't want to do it. He says, I'm not a killer, blah, blah, blah. He's also having money issues, right? Presumably because he sent all of his money to the lady who was catfishing him. Um. So he does need money. He does want to be the chief of police. He doesn't want to kill anybody. He follows Danvers home. He knows Otis is there. I don't think he planned on shooting Otis, killing Otis there. It seemed like he just wanted to take him away somewhere. Not saying that he wouldn't have killed him or whatever. But anyways, him and Danvers get into a back and forth. He shoots Otis. My take is basically he was begrudgingly going through it the whole time. And the second he got a bit of resistance, he was just like, fuck, fuck this. I'm done. Just, just shoot, kill me. I think he committed suicide by cop. Suicide by cop. Basically. Because he, he killed Otis and then he thinks, I'm, this is not me. Why am I doing this? I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through all this. Then his son shows up and he's like, fuck, I don't want to. What was, you know what I mean? Was he saying to Pete right before? He says, blood, remember, blood is blood. That is the one thing that I feel like led me away from your interpretation. Yeah. Those are the last words you want to say to your son? Yeah, like, to me, it just kind of seemed like a talking? desperate, like, maybe this will work, but he's just going to shoot me. He's going to shoot me in the head. You, you, you would think <laughs> that he would say, like, you know, Follow Danvers, you know, or maybe, but if he says follow Danvers, he's his son's not going to think he's going to shoot Danvers then. Yeah, I don't know. To me, it it played out as this is a guy who's just completely given up. That's that was pretty much it. Um, I don't, it didn't, I didn't think he had any sort of hope or left. Yeah, or any sort of... It didn't seem like he was humoring the idea that Pete would sort of go along with his plan and turn his back on Danvers. <clears throat> so I kind of just read it as suicide by Pete. Well, the... Su- f- familia, suicide by familicide. Right. The thing that I thought was also funny was how Pete clearly is just trying to be like... I'm okay. I'm going to clean up my, my dad's brains. <laughs> you need to go, Danvers. I need to clean up my dad's brains. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what they're trying Hold to up. I guess they're trying to just not get caught up. Oh, I think she wants to be under the blanket. She probably wants to be on the couch, but she's afraid that she's too close to Ace. Oh, are they at odds a little bit again? He's spooked her they don't really they don't lay down next to each other they just never have they 
will when I'm in here working, they will sleep on the couch but on opposite ends. This is too close for her. I think so. Um so yeah, so I mean like the end I thought it escalated a little quick. I thought Pete trying to prove himself that uh he's okay with yeah. what he's done was a little much and made me wonder what they're gonna how they're gonna end his character. Yeah. Because Danvers is reacting appropriately, which is like, don't do this. You're going to mess yourself up for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. But Pete at the end is kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Right. And Navarro is also, isn't Navarro also trying to tell her? Him. Yeah. Like he'll be fine. We, we need to go <laughs> do this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He'll be fine. He killed. I know he killed his dad. <laughs> he'll be fine. He'll bounce back. Yeah. He'll, don't worry. He'll clean up his dead father and the dead heroin addict just fine. He he sat outside and listened to his dad sing an entire sad song. Right. All three <laughs> minutes and 20 seconds, whatever, of his dad's single. Yeah. Um, he'll be fine. Um, It would be funny if Pete, I just want a line where he's talking to his like wife or ex-wife. And she's like, yeah, but you shot your dad. He's like. Yeah, he was getting catfished anyway. He wasn't long for this world. Mm -hmm. Once you start getting catfished, you're pretty much done. <laughs> yeah. I did him a favor. <laughs> the bye rest bye, of his bye life bye. was going to be miserable. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you notice that they explained what the spiral symbol is? Yeah. How would you feel about that? It shows you that that thin <laughs> just ice a dangerous is area. <laughs> A little, uh, made, a little whack. Well, it made me feel like that's the that's the standard line, but there's yeah. a deeper. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um. Okay. Do you any thoughts on the final episode? Or not the final on episode five? Any other thoughts? It gave a content warning. At the oh yeah, I didn't see that. You didn't? No. Well, I so, it was one of the first times I'd noticed it. Mm -hmm. It was so prevalent. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. And I, I almost texted you. I was going to take a picture of it mm -hmm. and text you be like, hell yeah, <laughs> I'm ready. And it's just for <coughs> two headshots. Yeah. You, you see that on Stranger Things. Normal episode. I don't sure. know what the, what the warning was all about. Um, do you think... Navarro's boyfriend Kavik is involved in some way, or do you think he's a bad guy in any way? He seems too good. Yeah, well, that's what people are saying. He seems too good. Uh, I would say he seems too good. Right. Okay. Not too good. Right. Um. Well, how do you feel about their dynamic? I mean, it's it's opposites. She's. Exactly. Hot and and run hot blooded. Right. And she <coughs> chill and right. cool. She is portraying a very traditional male dynamic in their relationship. And he is portraying a very traditional female dynamic. Where he's the one that's very sensitive and very caring and touchy feely. And she's the one that's very closed off and very uh 
kind of uh, just using him, you know? And there's something about it that is so traditional that feels like that's not how you, I mean, I get, I'm, I get it. And I guess it's good that you're flipping this thing on its head, but it's veering so traditional, traditional that I don't, it feels a little corny, I guess. Yeah. Like when, when she snuggled up to him, I just couldn't help but look. I'm like, these are two ripped, enormous (laughs) people. Right. Yeah. And they are, cuddling like yeah. <laughs> such a juxtaposition these are two big spoons these are right? two <laughs> huge spoons not saying that two big spoons don't do this sort of thing right it looks weird to me and to me it's representative of their whole dynamic mm-hmm. where it's like you're trying to take something that looks one way and then just give you the other side of it mm-hmm. you know what i mean They look like they'd be big meathead people, but he's real sensitive. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you expect the gender roles one way, but they're flipped. So, yeah, it just seems like an inversion, and it seems like they inverted it and said, great job. Yeah. We did it. Right. Okay. Uh, Any thoughts on the finale? I I better see a content warning, and it better earn it. (laughs) I want to be disgusted. I want to uh-huh. throw up like uh, the factory series. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh-huh. um, no, I mean, like, again, this this season is fine. It feels the true detectiveness of it feels grafted on. Right. Which is, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Totally fine. Um, but if I had to speculate, it feels like that represents the way to meld two different stories into one. And you just see the seams. You see the, the, there's just rough edges Mm -hmm. all over this season that I wish they would have sanded off and maybe pushed a little deeper here. Um, We'll get into this. Well, maybe we won't with the deluge, but I, I will say, um, it kind of falls into the, the the trope that I find annoying. I don't think it's quite there, though. So mm. maybe this isn't fair. I'll just throw this to you. Does this strike you as the horror story, quote-unquote, that uses horror as a way to deepen emotion and doesn't care about using horror as it as a genre it's just trying to use and graft on to horror to deepen itself a little bit it just feels like it's trying to scare people you think this season is trying to scare people well just the jump scare stuff all of the hallucinations are treated as jump scares well i'm not all of them but a lot of them are treated as jump scares and I mean the the fact that they're in, in at least in my mind up until this point up until the last episode, they're all just hallucinations. It's not something that's that you know what I mean. So I guess in that sense, it's just a byproduct of 
the water being contaminated or maybe what the scientists were researching or uncovering, you know, but it's, it's, it doesn't feel like, I don't know. I guess it doesn't, I haven't gotten a like legitimate feeling from it. Like it doesn't, it hasn't felt to me like this is what it's like to have a mental illness. This is what it's like to, this is how we're poisoning ourselves or whatever. The, the, the point that I think I was trying to make and, um, I'm being careful because I don't want to make it sound like I think what I'm trying to say could get misconstrued as the standard haters line of mm-hmm. being like, you you just want to make it woke. You mm-hmm. know, you're just flipping genders and you're just, you know, adding in, um, grafting on all these social mm-hmm. issues, whatever, all that bullshit, right? I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is I think there's a trend and it's, I think we're at the tail end of it where a lot of filmmakers and even storytellers saw horror as a way to just generate easy connection or depth to their stories. And then you go into watch this like quote unquote horror movie or whatever. And it's like not scary at all. And it's just trying to be like, Grief is terrible. Mm-hmm. And you walk out and you're like, yeah, that was a story about someone's grief that really didn't have anything to do with like being scary, you know? Sure. D- does this strike you as that where like the overarching story is not really living up to, if you want to think of true detective as a genre or even the idea of like, horror or cosmic horror Mm -hmm. like i think i'm trying to figure out why we're at the end of a net of a season where i don't feel like a lot has happened well right that's what i was gonna say i think the problem is i don't know what the story is trying to do i don't know what this be because maybe because it hasn't happened yet maybe also because they're not handling it wonderfully but i don't know what i don't know what the story is trying to tell us i don't know where it's going i don't yeah. you know what i mean like it's just saying i don't know if these are hallucinations that are caused by see contaminated water mm-hmm. yeah it, a mental illness a combination of both like i don't know at this point yeah i i think for me i'm probably more frustrated at the genre the lack of genre ideas mm-hmm. being presented um, and it does make you feel like for this story, was this the best avenue to tell your story through? Right. Or is this just like a, like kind of a drama, mystery drama, you know? It's a cash in. Well, see, I don't know. I won't go that far. I think it, it should have been four episodes long at the most. A lot of padding. Right. I agree. Doesn't need the the true detective makes part of it makes it a cash in. Not on Lopez's to Lopez's fault. That's what HBO wanted to do. Give me a shitload of money, I'll do it. Who cares? You know? Yeah, hey, but I'll do it. It yeah, it just feels it's too long. It's way too long. Um, and the true detective side of it has like I feel like watered everything down and been just, it's just too much of a distraction. Mm -hmm. 
You know what I mean? Unfortunately, oh, yeah. like maybe if you can separate yourself from those things, it's not, but I can't. And so it's become too much of a distraction. And yeah. I, I'm constantly, you know, looking, comparing it to other stuff. And you know what I mean? I haven't been able to watch it on its own because it has this name of True Detective. <clears throat> All right. Um, okay. Do you... Okie dokie. Want to talk about the deluge? I do. I meant to bring my book, put my book by the door, and Uh ran right by my book. I've got a copy of the book. Exactly. I figured you would. Yeah. So I figured uh, it's broken up into books, Mm -hmm. right? So there's five books. The first book is 100 pages long. And the first book is, uh, I'm assuming the rest of the book is like this, but I don't know for sure. I, get, I don't think it's called an, anth- what's it called in books? This type anth- of, it's not an anthology, it's not an right? Anthology. But it's that type of idea where it's, every chapter is a different person or Character. person's story. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming, which we'll get into in a little bit, eventually those are going to start converging. Tying together, yeah. Right. Uh, so I figured we could just kind of go chapter by chapter and give some thoughts on each yeah. chapter. And I, this is a lot of setup, and I do have some questions about some of the ideas sure. that he's bringing up. But, yeah. So The Deluge came out last year, written by Stephen Markley. Markley. Uh, and it's loosely about climate change. That's kind of all I remember from reading the description. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The first chapter is called The Phase Transitions of Methane Hydrates. And it's about a college professor. Mm -hmm. Researcher. Researcher. Um, Huh. This Tony Petrus guy. Petrus? You're looking at it. Was he not just in the last chapter I read? That name seems so familiar for he, some reason. He comes back. Does he? Mm-hmm. Not in this guy's story, in someone else's story? Well, it circles back on him and his daughter. Okay. Uh, so it's about this researcher. The phase transitions of methane hydrates has something to do with Global warming, so, some sciencey stuff. Here's the thing: two two quick things. Number uh, one, it introduces a new thing to be scared over. Yes, you know, for for me, something too that you're like, I don't know the science of this. Right. I never even considered this. Right. So I now do I need to be scared? Of yes, the it's things? it is exactly like the um, fungus in The Last of Us. <laughs> right. Where it's like this seems. This sounds right. I don't know why it's wrong. That sounds scary. Right. So now I have to think about this. So he starts by introducing a very new scary idea, which is basically that throughout the millions of years, and you think about it, right? You, it's This book does a lot about making you think about things that you've been staring at for a long time and see it in a new way. Mm-hmm. Like our entire earth is the product of millions of years of 
transition, change mm-hmm. of meteors and things that we could never fathom happening to this planet mm-hmm. to build up the ice levels that we have to put the continents where they are, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And in the course of like 200 years, we're basically just going to melt it all down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're just going to, we're, we're just going to drastically change the face of this planet. That's been, that is the result of millions of years of change, mm-hmm. you know? So anybody who tries to argue about the effects of climate change and the resiliency of our planet or whatever, it's like, yeah, the resiliency built over millions of years. Sure. But the guy in the last chapter, Daniel, the um, guy's friend who is, uh, presented as a non-believer uh, in climate change, kind of has this a uh, f- uh, little bit of a flip on that argument of it's not that he's a non-believer in climate change. He just understands that the climate is always changing and there's kind of nothing we can do about it. Maybe we are accelerating something, but it's still going to happen. Right. That that's the second, the second piece of it though, Mm -hmm. that that I would say to that is it's right here. Read, read the title again of, of the first chapter, the phase transitions of methane hydrates, methane hydrates. Right. So over the course of, yeah, the planet is going to do what the planet does. It's going to change. It has built up these frozen, methane pockets Mm -hmm. right that as they uh melt and defrost they are then released Mm -hmm. Uh, i remember the big joke when when we were even in high school i think was like a bunch of researchers are spending millions of dollars to look at cow farts Mm -hmm. and i remember being like (laughs) laughing at all the other late night people or whatever and then I remember I like looked into it. I was like, yeah, why are they looking at farts? And it's like, because methane is a huge catalyst of, of planet warming mm-hmm. and farts are methane. So <laughs> it actually matters. And I was like, Smell my fart. oh, okay. Well, I guess so. So if, if the farts of animals are enough to be studied, how much more these frozen pockets of methane that are going to be rapidly released into our atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like something that we should be concerned about. Right. But that's kind of what I've realized is where my brain kind of naturally defaults to, which is that somebody is concerned with it. Somebody smarter with me, See? smarter than me is concerned about that. And they've, are we're, we're working not on a solution for anymore. It. We're not in a dorm. And, and no, say, I, I, well, my brain is still in that dorm because that's what I think. It's just naturally. I <laughs> thought that too. And then I got older. I'm like, nobody is thinking about it. I disagree. I definitely don't think 
that this guy writing a fictional novel is presenting some sort of new groundbreaking theory that nobody is working on. The reason he's bringing it up is because he's read some research about it. I'm, I'm going to get to it. I'm gonna All get, right. uh, should I jump there really quick? Uh, sure, if you want to. I mean, I don't have anything else to say about this chapter. It's about a researcher. He's doing this on the climate change. At the end, his wife dies of cancer. Fast okay. forward years. The book starts in 2013. Each chapter jumps a year. Well, some jump and, more. and Yeah, and then it looks like between book one and two, there's a bigger jump. So I, I will say chapter one, um, I think he, he introduces this idea that sounds right to me scientifically. Mm-hmm. I guess it should be con- concerned about trying to get my head around it. Um, then he accelerates the story of this man's life with his wife. Mm-hmm. And it starts with him getting like results from some of his tests. And it's teased that one of those results is like massive. Mm-hmm. He then writes a book about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really well done. And it sets up one of the real like um, highlights of the book in the writing so far is his ability to establish characters. Mm-hmm. So like we don't get a lot about his wife, but I ended up feeling for her and their relationship and immediately thinking about my own life and mm-hmm. how quickly your life can accelerate once you're around our age. Like, yeah, it can happen like that. Yeah, for sure. Oh, married with a kid. Great. Cancer. Boom. Mm-hmm. Gone. Next. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So uh, that that was really effective for me. Mm-hmm. Setting up his writing style, how he's going to build his characters and the world around them and add a lot of depth in a short period of time. I thought that was great. To comment really quickly about what you're saying, how people are working on this, whatever, blah, 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 bullshit you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I couldn't help but look up some interviews and stuff with him mm-hmm. and there's a video of him um talking with the policy wonk that he used to bounce the ideas off of mm-hmm. for this book a lot of i watched like a quarter of it and then it looked like it was about to get into spoilers so i stopped but the policy wonk guy was all like i've never read a book that cared so deeply and and honestly about the uh, policies and all this other stuff, right? And the mm-hmm. science of it. Mm-hmm. He's like going on and on and on. So I'm like, oh, well, what, this wonk, he read this book. He's He should know what's going on. I pull up his Twitter account. Number one, no one's following. No one cares about this guy, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Number two, he's a Biden guy. Mm-hmm. He's, he's just a Biden guy. You know, just mm-hmm. trying to get, keep the status quo going because Biden is is not Trump. He clearly has this idea that incremental failures is better than drastic failures or risking anything to actually start making progress. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's the guy, right? Like nobody's, nobody's working on this stuff. No, any- see, that tells me the opposite. Like, I thought you were saying you are going to pull this guy's Twitter and he's a complete doomsdayer. This guy doesn't even care. 
Yeah, and so he knows this. He knows the that, science. How does that prove your point? It proves my point because he doesn't care. Because that's what I'm saying. If it was a genuine concern, then that's the one guy who would be concerned about it. No, I I take that as, and, and we'll, we'll talk about it because the book gets into it, uh-huh. which is what is the proper response to the reality that we're living in? To me, sure. to me, you, anybody looking at it, instead of just this thing, looking more broadly, if you end up being like a Biden guy, you're, 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 you're and you're the want, you're the policy guy. You're the one who's thinking smartly about policy. Mm-hmm. We're doomed. We're doomed. That's the doomsday. Yeah. I guess that's my other feeling about too, is like you, what are you going to do about it? I'm not going to do exactly. Anything. So why do you exactly. care? <laughs> you can't, you're not going to do anything about it. You can't do anything about it. Okay. Let's, so who cares? So, so setting it up. So someone else smarter who can do something oh about God. it is going to do something about it. And if they don't, what the fuck? I can't do nothing about well, it. Exactly. The, the whole point is we have crossed so many quote unquote Rubicons. You blew it. Mm-hmm. Right. How many, God, forgive me. How many deadlines? Exactly. Have you, have you heard? Exactly. Um, where Sandy's like, this is a red line. And then we, we blow right. it like, like a joke. And right. how many times people have said scientists are now, they underestimated sea level rise. They underestimated the effects of climate change on and it comes up in this book too on coral reefs on all these little. So what do you, so what do you do? So, so my, my point is I can't do anything. Right. If I believe the science as much as I'm allowed to par- participate, mm-hmm. we have crossed a bunch of red bye bye, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye. So then why do I care? Because I have a kid. Right. That's the only reason. But, okay, so then what is driving yourself crazy about it going to do for your kid? Number one, I'm not being driven crazy, but it is making me look around and go, yeah, why isn't there any wonk? Why isn't there any, like... But there, I, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I guarantee you there is. Oh, There's yeah? somebody. So there we, is somebody. So we had four years of Trump, right? We we understand that the highest political office in the world, you would agree, right, is uh-huh. the president of the United States. Uh-huh. A cabinet that he placed, think about the people he put in his cabinet. I'm not saying they're in positions of power. I'm just saying they exist. So so, <laughs> so the the highest office, the cabinet, then you probably have some middle manager, a guy like me who's having some health problems. He's been in the job for a while. He's just trying to deal with stuff. And then underneath him, you have a 34-year-old <laughs> scientist who's just crunching numbers day and night, who's going to, who's going to, who's, who, who has the power to make changes. No, that's what I just said. So, so but that's what I'm saying. You're like, someone out there is doing it. They, who, from the, Take the take the Biden. People are working on it, and at some point they'll <laughs> they'll be listened to. It's not happening now, and you know, 
it's probably maybe it is too late. Who knows? I can't do nothing about it. I I can't either. But here's the thing, and then and then I definitely want to move move on with the book. We're going through a time right now where people are getting pissed off at the Daily Show, the John Stewart. Did you see the clip? I didn't watch the the Daily Show return. No, you have a, um, I'd never watched the Daily Show. How about, look at how you. about that? Okie dokie. So that sounds like me. A bunch of Democrats are really upset at John Stewart because he has a segment where he basically says, "What are we doing?" Mm-hmm. Biden what? is old. He he his big line from it was he's like plays a bunch of clips of a bunch of like high policy people Mm -hmm. and political people. And they're like, I just had a meeting with the president the other day. He is sharp. He is focused. I've never seen him so aware and alert of policies and issues. Cut to another guy. I had a lunch with the president the other day. He is sharp. He is alert. Um, And then John Stewart is like, so you keep telling us that he's sharp and alert and you've had these interactions with him. He's like, did anybody think to maybe record those (laughs) and let us see them? Mm -hmm. Because all we get is, and apparently he did a TikTok Mm -hmm. where he just like screamed ice cream in the camera at the camera. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we get this creepy TikTok video. And then we just are told, Oh, behind the scenes, he's sharp and alert and all that. Yeah. He's like, yeah, just show us that then, please. Right. Um, and people are freaking out, right? Democrats are freaking out about Jon Stewart and saying these both sidesing issues and all that stuff. And and my thing is, beyond all of that, I don't like to be lied to. Like, even if I want to be like, a Biden person, like we need to vote Biden. I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. I still don't want to be part of a system that says, see, look, this guy says he had lunch with him and and he's sharp and alert. No, he's not. Mm -hmm. I know he's not like, you don't have to, why do you, why are you forcing me to accept (laughs) a lie Mm -hmm. to go? I know what the reality is and I'll play your stupid game. You know what I mean? And in this, it's the same thing where it's like, don't tell me that somebody's working on it Mm -hmm. or thinking about it because I don't see them anywhere. I don't see them, if they are working on it, they're at such a low level that they are not in a position to make a change. You know what I mean? The only question is, where are we in relationship to actual effects that will potentially ruin access to jobs Mm -hmm. to a quality of life. Right. That's the thing that we don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not a doomsdayer thinking that by the time I die, this earth is going to be a husk, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I don't know. It could be, it could be, we, we get wiped out in this book in 2026. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. I don't know. I just uh I don't get worked up. I can't get worked up about it anymore. I mean, I definitely have my moments. What do they call those moments? The dark 
fugue Nar- states. Night of the Soul. Mm-hmm. I definitely have those moments where I get like existential and panicky. But this book didn't make me do we, that. We, we, we can't carry a burden. This book isn't making me carry a burden. Uh-huh. I don't want to make it sound like I am. I'm, okay. not, I'm not carrying a burden about this stuff. But if you do tell me that within 100 years even, which will be in potentially like, like my son just has normal dreams. Mm-hmm. He just wants to have a normal life. And that includes the life that I have, which included him. Mm-hmm. And I want him to have access to that. Sure. So my my grandchild, potentially, would be alive, hopefully, 100 years from now. Mm-hmm. Do I not care about, you know what I mean? Like, like do, do do I just not care? No, I care. I care. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's not giving me a dark night of the soul. But, but also, the thing that frustrates me, infuriates me the most, is the lies that I am, f- that, People are trying to feed me that like, yeah, we're working on it. Sure. No one's working on but, it. But that's not true. That's the I disagree. Because the whole reason you know about it is because people are working on it. And the people that discovered this did not discover it and then throw their hands up and say, well, we're done. We find our discovery. We're done with our research. They're then going to find more information and someone else is getting that information and looking for solutions. And maybe those people aren't like working directly for the government, but there's millions of scientists across the world studying millions of different things. And at some point they'll have research that gets published that, you know, makes some sort of change. We have a billion monkeys pounding on typewriters. They're going to come up. And they'll never predict the end of the curse. Yeah. All right, next chapter, Shane and Murdoch get breakfast, okay? This is the chapter that made me feel like a schizophrenic. Because because he names a female character Shane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, now going back to what you said, I think one of the reasons that has made this so readable and enjoyable is that he does a great job of creating characters and establishing them quickly and kind of getting along with things. Now, the Shane and Murdoch chapter is about two. Murdoch is ex-military, has PTSD. Shane is just an activist. An activist. That he bumped into at a protest. Okay. And they're meeting to get breakfast talk about a couple things throughout this chapter. Um, Shane is kind of feeling Murdoch out, but throughout the chapter, there are sidebars and it gets to a point to where the sidebars taking up have sidebars, a quarter of the page and then half the page. And then both pages are half a sidebar. And then the sidebar has a sidebar. And then at some point the sidebar takes up the entire page. It's just a sidebar. And I started off reading it. Now, here's here's something that I think uh, doesn't get thought about with these fucking sidebars. When do you read them? Yeah, that, that that's a good question. So now I'm having to concentrate on reading a book, reading a story, Don't. and keep track of the characters. And then I have to think about, okay, at what point do I stop on this page to go to... What is... 
don't sequentially act like the correct spot to stop and read the sidebar. <laughs> don't act like you're working heavy machinery. And then I read the sidebar. And then I have to take a. Then I have to take a. I have to put a mental bookmark into what I am reading about to go read this sidebar, which in most instances is the same length of the damn page I'm reading. So then I have to. Right. No. <laughs> so then read- I have to whatever absorb that and then i have to go back to okay where was i what was i reading about 30 seconds ago okay and keep going with that and it got to a point where it's like i can't i'm done with these damn sidebars i'm not reading these anymore i read until i get to the last paragraph of the page okay and then i read the sidebars on the page why do you do it that way back because that's an easy place for me to stop to get a majority of the information from the page so you get to the last paragraph of the page you said Mm mm-hmm what if the paragraph, what if the last paragraph starts in the middle of the page? I get there, then I read the sidebar, then I go back to the, and finish out the paragraph. Okay. Uh, I really enjoyed the chapter. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's giving me. Ooh, it's giving. It's giving me um, eco-terrorism vibes, right? Well, yeah, why wouldn't it? All right. what, what, what do you mean? I mean, it doesn't call that out explicitly. I mean, at the end, she kind of puts the ask on him. Here's my thing that I always wonder about this. And and I got an answer. But I remember being younger, reading chapters like this or interactions like this, and always being fascinated how... This ca- last page of the chapter, uh-huh. the entire top half is a sidebar. Okay, That sidebar then has another sidebar that takes off takes up the bottom one quarter of the page. And then the final one quarter of the page is the end of the chapter. Yeah. It's silly. It's beautiful. Um, There are moments in this chapter where like Murdoch, it's just like, you didn't, you're, you're probing me for something. Right. And I remember being younger and being like, how do characters know stuff like that? You know? I talked to someone, I have no idea what they're thinking. I, I, grew, I grew up constantly second-guessing what the hell I was saying. I didn't have enough awareness to be thinking about analyzing how this person is responding to me. Yeah. Just trying to, just trying to say what I want. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And then I remember getting older and having a conversation where I truly felt all the, like, sub, like, what I'm saying is not getting through Mm. and being like, Oh, that's, that's how you, that's how that works because there's so many moments where like, um, Shane doesn't do or say anything, Mm -hmm. but Murdoch just picks up on like, you didn't, you don't just want to have breakfast with me. Right. You know? And yeah, she's probing him to be, Basically, like a grunt mm-hmm. in this. They're going to blow something up. Potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, it it ends with, with Murdoch not agreeing necessarily, right? But but they never. she never mentions. She's just talking about she, there's a group she wants him to join. Mm-hmm. Does it ever bother you that. And that's the extent of it. The characters like that don't like finish their food. Do they talk? No. Like, if you were in that situation... And it says right here. 
Da, da, da. There was the tinkering, cl- clitter clatter of silverware on plates, murmured conversations ebbing and flowing. Oh, that's other people. That's eating. other people. Okay. Do, do you ever think like in? in um, oh, here they had um, the 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 very last sentence of the chapter. Then they ate. The waitress returned, and Shane and Murdoch ordered breakfast. They don't even have their food yet. No, no, no. That, that that's what I'm saying the whole time. I'm like, well, that's where the chapter ends. Wait, but but would you eat in a situation like that if you felt would like I you, be eating? Yeah, would yeah. you you wouldn't be nervous enough to be like I can't eat. No. Okay. Well, what's there to be nervous about? You're being recruited into an eco terrorist group. You were the one who used eco terrorism as. Yeah, I'm going to record the rest of the podcast like this. You're standing up. Power move. How do you feel about that? I don't like it. <laughs> I I potentially hate it. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, don't do that. Um <clears throat> I mean, what's there just quickly, I want to jump right back to that question. What's there to be nervous about? You're being recruited, but you just say no if you don't want to do it. You're not standing up? No, it's just a joke. I'm not going to stand up. Um I feel like you just wanted to flex to me that you have a stand a, a adjustable desk. I do. You know how much it costs? Congratulations. $260. Really? Yep. Where? Amazon. And you you like it? It does the job. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I would be in this era of surveillance. Mm-hmm. I think that I would be very aware of being recruit of trying to be recruited into a eco-terrorist movement. I would um I would be very nervous, I think. Why though? You just say just don't do it. What makes you nervous about it? I mean, I I, I don't know. I'm talking to somebody who thinks that people are working on climate change and that we'll we'll be okay. We just need to Trust the low-level <laughs> employees that are crunching the real numbers. I would be nervous, full stop. All That's right. It. Okay. Be, okay. He, no, 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 you know that it's going to You think be, they're going to blow you up if you say no? It, well, you know it's tied to an ask to action. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, the next chapter is not eco-focused. It's called the actor. The actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a chapter about a young woman who runs into a actor, B plus A minus level actor mm-hmm. in the bookstore in Barnes and Noble. Did Do they call it? out Barnes and Noble specifically? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah. I wound my way from the office to the downtown Barnes and Noble. Um, Which I want to be like. Weird. Yeah. Uh, Also, I I loved walking around Barnes and Noble as a kid. I will still take my son to Barnes and Noble. uh Uh-huh. Walk around, get a book or two. I've never had a conversation with somebody in Barnes and Noble. (laughs) With a stranger? Never. I've never even seen an opportunity to be like, I'm going to go talk to that person. Are you a hot young woman though, or at a minus B plus level 
actor. I'm a hot middle-aged man. Uh, so this is a pretty short little chapter about a woman who goes to Barnes and Noble. She gets hit on by an actor who loves Cormac McCarthy and gets her to buy the road. Uh huh. Um, so is this James Franco? <laughs> is that who we think this is? Uh, I never thought considered that it would be based on a real person. No. Uh, and s- that's pretty much it. They go on a date. They have their one night stand. She dips in the middle of the night, despite his protests, and that's it. Um, I really liked the this chapter. I thought it, for me personally, mm-hmm. did a good job of playing with this expect of sort of playing with the idea first of like, uh, what is this guy's mo? Right? Is he just looking for a one night stand, or is he? genuinely interested right um and the, but then also kind of playing with the uh idea of women being in control in those situations mm-hmm. and because i find myself because the way i was raised my the culture i grew up in was very much of that broy like women are are pure and sex is, uh, you know, sacred for women and for guys. It's just a, you know, it's just a thing. Mm -hmm. You're, you're cool. If you sleep around, if you're a woman and you sleep around, you're a slut. Right. And so I thought it, for me, it did a good job of, of, um, constantly reminding me how dumb of an idea that is. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's kind of my, like, um, like I said, that's what I grew up with. So that is my like just instinct, I guess, even though it's been decades and I know how stupid that is, you know? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> she, she has her agency all the way throughout. And exactly. Follow her thinking that leads her to where she ends up. And then right. also makes her leave at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. And she even leaves like feeling good about it. Yeah. About everything, right. so. Um, did you notice this? This is in your copy. Mm-hmm. What is that about? I think that's showing the passage of time. Oh, okay. So it's just a page of tweets and, and headlines. headlines. and Okay, that, so, that makes sense. So he says that he did not write about our current age. Right. He wrote a little bit about the past. And he didn't want to write about what was happening now, which I think is a good approach. Um, And that page, I think, is how he kind of deals with the present. Mm -hmm. Because all those are real, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, And then the next chapter is another short chapter that I actually kind of forgot Didn't about read. <laughs> the line in the field. I remember now that I'm glancing at it, but it's about, uh, Oh, that's right. It's about a guy who is either a drug dealer is on a bunch of drugs mm-hmm. and may also be a drug dealer. Well, he's trying to be, he's trying to be. And he, um, rapes somebody. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he um, he's basically oh an unredeemable. It's written in uh, it's written in uh, second person. Is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah. Um, you, you thought the heat would dissipate, right? And he is basically just an unredeemable yeah piece of shit. This guy sucks. Um, who's just yeah bad in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Uh, the chapter after that is the gambling, the NBA gambling chapter. Yeah. Al Hassan, May 2016, which is the name of this guy's document where he's trying to, him and his buddy. Um, and he's writing this as like a diary entry, right? Yes. He starts, he has like an abstract. Right. He's writing this like a paper. Right. Trying to like explore and examine some of the decisions that he's made and What's led him here? Right. Um, and Indian guy, his dad dies. He is, has some sort of, uh, I don't know what you call it. He has autism or something like general mental I condition. Don't know what you call him. He has <laughs> autism. Yeah. Is it? Okay. He's, he's on the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, he's on course. the spectrum. And so it makes him kind of a numbers whiz mm-hmm. um and he's paired up with a guy who's kind of like a uh, a gut whiz i'm just playing by my gut type of deal right yeah like, he had his own system but it's his system's kind of bunk and like justin timberlake in the social network <laughs> sure the, the naps playing the napster guy uh-huh. uh what how'd you feel about that chapter yeah i i liked it i mean i took a few things away from number one it got me to place a sports bet um <laughs> Which I think might have been the opposite idea of the chapter, <laughs> but um, I guess it's not that much of a focus. It's more of a background thing. So it made me think of something that I didn't know if you picked up on, if if I'm just totally reading into it. Uh-huh. Um, p- part of my thinking was how, yeah, I, maybe this isn't in the text now that I'm actually kind of thinking about it, but Go back a few decades, even a few generations ago, and a lot of progress in science and whatever is like about exploration or is about fun. Mm-hmm. Like Jacques Cousteau, who has done a lot for like marine, I, I wouldn't even say biology really, mm-hmm. but m- marine knowledge, marine curiosity. From my understanding, he was basically just like, just love the a, swim. A tourist, yeah. Oh. Like he just, <laughs> no, he did. He just, mm-hmm. he just loved like I'm just trying to go explore. And yeah. um, in terms of like deep scientific knowledge, it wasn't really about that. It was just more about like encouraging curiosity about the world and the oceans. Mm-hmm. And isn't this cool and all that stuff? Um, whereas now, I feel like everything is tinged with. Well, what is, how is this going to help us in the future? How is this going to help us survive? Or how is this going to address climate change? Or how is this going to be useful, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas somebody like, what's his name again? Hassan? Ashir. Ashir. Mm -hmm. Somebody like Ashir could just be obsessed with, um, sports numbers Mm -hmm. and 
be fine. Like he could be a statistics professor, have a whole career where he just gets to stare and look at numbers in sports and, um, and be fine. But now the, the idea is, okay, maybe this interest of yours would have been fine 20 years ago, but not now. Now you need to use your gifts towards a useful purpose. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the the pressure from his mom. But do you get that? Did you get that sense at all where like now people's talents and abilities are under more pressure and focused to be about specifically maybe climate change stuff as opposed to Did I get that from the chapter? Yeah. Did did it make you think at all about that? Like Mm -mm. this guy potentially in a different era might not have the pressure. And again, maybe, maybe I'm projecting where his story's going to go because this is yeah, about I was gonna say, I mean, putting all of what we've talked about together, that does make sense. If all of these stories are coming together in some way, I but think that's, yeah, I think in I'm, the moment I didn't get, I think that. I'm projecting, I'm trying to find how he comes into it. And mm-hmm. that's my thinking is like, he is going to feel pressure to get off of this and, do something mm-hmm. you know he's the guy that meaningful. you think doesn't exist who's actually working on a solution yeah and guess what he's doing now <laughs> he's, he's betting he's on the work, nba yeah, he's betting on the nba <laughs> he's working on a better betting system uh-huh. um i think that that's i forget what um i watched but i watched something and um it, it hit something like this but I remember my review I wrote on Letterboxd, wherever I was like, we lost a lot of a, a lot of these people to NFTs, mm-hmm. where you realize like NFTs could draw in a lot of people who might have Bye-bye. been directed towards something that's not pure scammy and could have been useful, and instead they see NFTs create a great opportunity to just make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm gonna go that I feel like a lot of culture is pushing people away from more of of the sciences that would help Mm -hmm. and more towards scammy, you know, gambling, you know, interests or ways to make money. I know it would for me. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact that if I was in college when DraftKings was big, I would have either worked with you guys. I, I think you guys would have not encouraged me, but I would have found people where I'd say, hey, guys, do we need a degree uh-huh. if we can figure out right. how to just win on DraftKings? Yeah. And just try. I would have, I know I would have tried for like a good year or two yeah. to just do DraftKings to make money. Sure. Um, we're losing a lot of good shears. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, oh, but we got people working, and they're not being sidetracked by anything else. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't think, I don't disagree. I think there probably is some people being pushed to that, but I don't think it's enough to be like a brain drain, and like w- there's like we're actively struggling to find people to do certain things. All I'm saying is if Einstein was alive today, <laughs> he'd be in NFTs. Right. He'd be pushing it. Yeah. He'd be finding a new way to do an NFT. You know why? You know, here's why it's not happening. Because you can't. You don't make, you can't. There's like 
10 people in the world who can actually make money off sports betting. You can't, you, you can't, if you could make money consistently off sports betting, sports betting would not exist, period. You don't, not enough to live. You know what I mean? If all of these idiots who do sports betting podcasts were actually good at sports betting, they wouldn't be doing podcasts. That's the, they um, would just be sports betting and then living their life and having fun. That's the fortune teller in you. The, the, the fortune teller critique. Hey, if you can tell the fortune, you wouldn't be telling my fortune. No, I'm just saying it's it's not it's not just not possible. Yeah. That's no, why I'm, it exists. I'm I'm agreeing with you. I think I think people do it as a <laughs> as a job. Like that's Okey-dokey. why people do it, because they find a way to make a living off of talking about it. But yeah, I, I Right, do, that's what I'm saying. There there are people whose full job is betting. Absolutely. And sure, but I, I'll just point to like poker players. There's people who make millions of dollars just playing poker. That's a that's diff. That's a little bit different though. You have more control in a poker game than you do over oh, uh, how I many over that. how many uh, over how many rushing touchdowns Pacheco gets in the Super Bowl. See, well, I, I think that I think the gambling goes deeper. Right. Like, like gambling, I agree. But I think once you bring in like DFS and stuff like that, I think that there's ways to make that more sound. More, yes. Not consistent, though. I- unless you're using a lot of money. No, no. If you use, I, I, I think that, I think there are people whose full jobs, absolutely. Right. They're is, using, so they're using a lot of money. Yeah. It's DFS. They're playing with thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Then you can, you can kind of brute force it. But even, even, even those people, I would be surprised if they're around in 40 years. You know what I mean? I, I, I think it's a, I disagree with you on that. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Uh, next chapter. So this is where the 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 Petrus. When you put a name, just put a normal that I know how to pronounce name in your book. Just wants everybody be John Smith, Petrus, Petrus, whatever. This guy from the first chapter. This is when he comes back, uh, and it's in this Wall Street Journal article uh, from some chud who's criticizing his book. Yeah. Um, just a couple pages long. That's all it needs to be. Yeah, and it was fine. And you you agreed with it. Yeah, totally. This guy yeah. is one. This guy's figured it out. Yeah, I I, I would take you as being the person <laughs> to read the Petrus book and be like, I don't know this. I don't, I don't trust this. And then read that book. Yeah. All right. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, what I thought was interesting about this, which it's obviously a conceit. Again, this is the um, sort of they found Julia's body so quickly nitpick, which is this is supposed to be an article critiquing this book. And what it actually is, is just a vehicle for the author to like put a bunch of excerpts from the book into it without like just making it pages from the book. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because it's literally just an excerpt from the book and then the, author being like this is ridiculous and then he says this <laughs> it's like another paragraph from the book do you think he captures the the point counterpoint well of looking at 
different sides of issues. I think he captures the tone of like of that ideology, that side of the argument or yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. Yeah, there, there's no actual po- counterpoint in any of this. Right. It's just which I guess maybe is the point. Is the point? I think that's the point. All right, and then the last chapter, the years of rain and thunder, part one. This is about uh, what is this guy's name? Sorry, I had to yawn. Matt. Matt. Matt and Kate, uh, and they are in Wyoming. Matt works for some sort of tourist A trap thing, service where he gets you on a kayak. That's right. And uh, he meets this woman, Kate. They have a romance. Uh, She turns out to be. She, first of all, is like polyamorous, the ultra feminist, right? She's the ultra everything. Right. Um, Also eco focused. Exclusively. So this is kind of for me where thinking about later in the book i felt like this is probably going to have to somehow tie into shane and murdoch right because there's a lot of mentions or not a lot there's one passage in this chapter where he's he they're on a hike they're at some whatever he takes a picture and then he's like i didn't think much of the picture at first becomes iconic and then it becomes iconic and it becomes seen all over the world and then it becomes a poster hanging up in bedrooms and da 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 so not totally sure what that means, but given her penchant for veganism and eco stuff, I'm assuming she becomes a terrorist and blows something up. <laughs> and that's why people are putting posters up, I guess. I don't know. So what what do you think of the characters here? <clears throat> um, like I liked his boss a lot. His boss was cool. His boss was good. Um, just I, little again, little snippets. Yeah, but you remember him. You yeah, know? I liked the characters. I thought he did a very good job, again, of kind of playing with this idea of she calls him out at at one point in the chapter for his sort of kind of liberal ideas of writing and all this stuff, right. and he, and it doesn't turn into a big blow up thing. He gets frustrated and kind of gives a little bit back, but for the most part, he kind of takes his lumps and moves on with it. Recognizes that she's kind of right. Um, It felt a little bit like he's probably, that's probably his like inner voice when he's writing. I felt like what's his name? Sharkly. What's his name? Markley. <laughs> Stephen Markley. I could combine the two. But you know what I mean? That's kind of his like inner, like, that's his. Uh, if you combine it, would it be Starkly? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I, I liked it. The only thing I didn't totally buy the. I didn't totally buy the reconciliation at the end of the chapter where she's like, get in loser. Where she's like, I mean, because it it's revealed that she is, I mean, she, she, at the very beginning, she says, I don't do relationships. I don't date people, blah, blah, blah. And then it pretty quickly moves into, he 
what would traditionally be viewed as a relationship without ever explicitly being he, like he falls for her. Right. And then it's revealed that while they're doing all this stuff, she is still in a relationship with the woman that she was kayaking with, with the meathead at the bar that she was making fun of the and whole another time. Another woman. And yeah, she's in multiple relationships. The biggest betrayal was the way he finds out about that right. other woman is he's in the library mm -hmm. and she comes up and she's like, Hey, you're hanging out with Kate, right? And he's like, mm -hmm. yeah. And she's like, well, she's hanging out with me too. Here, you can give her back this book. Well, she, and it's his book it's that he, right. that he said was his favorite, but she's also, she's not, she seems fed up with Kate as well. Oh yeah. Because she says, you know, Oh, did she show up to your first date with a big book too? Like she's very exactly. cynical about yeah. it. And yeah, I thought that was done very well. Well, well, well I thought it was, <clears throat> I, I thought what would have offended me on behalf of Matt was that she used Matt's favorite book to get this other girl. Right. That no, no, she was already dating that girl. No. That was the girl she saw in the kayak. No. Yes, no, it was. No, no. Uh-uh. Because the one in the library was blonde. No, she's... Kate is blonde. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm not going through it, but... Okay. But Listen. You're, you're wrong. Here's the other thing, though. You're wrong. I, I took it. And and maybe I'm wrong. I took it as a sign that like, cause she had she went on the kayak with the one girl. Mm -hmm. She's like, yeah, we're not in a relationship. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Then she goes with Matt. She's also kind of seeing the cowboy guy on the side, and then she picks up someone else, mm -hmm. this other girl mm -hmm. who is fed up. Now, if it's the girl from the kayak or whatever, it doesn't matter. The point is that. Kate used his favorite book right. yeah, yeah. to play off on someone else. I took it that she read the book and then used that to pick up someone else with. Sure. I uh, To me, I think the point is that she's kind of a, a phony. She's a, she's a big personality, and but there's, there's a little bit of a, a fronting to it. Yeah. It, I, I've read it a little more. It's interesting what they do with her because I kind of took that too. And part of you is waiting for Matt to like, give it back to her a little bit. He does a very little uh -huh. bit at the end. They have this kind of blow up thing. Like you said, then they reconcile at the end. But yeah, a part of you is waiting to be like, hold on. Like you have this clear vision of other people, but you clearly are not willing to kind of turn that on yourself, you know? Right. Um, and so, yeah, the, he finally blows up at her. Seems like it's over, and then she comes. Right. And it's just like, get in the car. I'm going to D.C. Right. She got a job working for, a, like, a nonprofit in right. D.C. Yeah, she she says, you know, there's the uh, the reason I was so hard on you is because I actually I'm started scared. falling for you. Right, I'm scared. <laughs> and then he's like, she's like, yeah, come with me. Move with me to D.C. And he's like, okay, sure. I mean, right after not too long finding out that she's actually been in a relationship with multiple other people it just seemed a little strained, I guess. Well, he's, he seems to, he's understand, also, he's like, also kind of a loser living in Wyoming, not doing anything. Yeah. A, a wannabe writer who gets right. called out for, yeah, yeah. Being this artistic, having this artistic idea of himself. Yeah. 
So, book one of the, of the so Deluge. So, that's the end of book one. Any thoughts overall? Yeah, I liked it. It's very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's easy to read, except for that one friggin' chapter. Um, well, I, I'll say, as someone who read the asides, I thought the asides really added to it. You know, they seemed great. Yeah. And my and so original I, plan was to... I got so frustrated when I was reading that chapter and I was doing so part of it too. I was doing so good. I read that first one, one sitting and then I get in the second one. I'm like, Oh, this is great. I'm actually reading. I'm doing good. And, and, it's, and it's like, okay, one sidebar, not a big deal. And then next page, there's another one. It's like, okay. And then it's just, they just don't go away. They keep getting more and more and more. And so I was like, well, maybe what I'll do is I'll read the chapter. I'm just going to read the chapter. I'm going to skip the sidebars. I'll get to the end of the chapter and then I'll go back and then I'll just read all of the sidebars. But I didn't do that. Yeah. So. No, I think it's good. He only does it for those um, chapters. They come back later on, but it's less. All right. Um, how far are you into the book? I am not. I'm reading this at a leisurely pace. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be pressured to read it faster. I'm going to read it at a pace I enjoy reading. If that means I have to get left to find, then I have to get left behind. And we we'll, can talk about whenever we decide to talk about it. Every book is longer than the last. They get consecutively longer. They yes. Get, they, they get longer. Um, I'm trying to keep ahead because I'm doing my thing. I'm reading multiple books. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to keep pace. But in this case, I think it's working well because it's going to hold me back because I'm also reading wellness mm-hmm. still. And I was Doris Suarez. Mm-hmm. So, and you're listening to an audiobook, presumably. And I'm listening to, to uh-huh. a book. And I'm reading. And you're probably 20 minutes into some movie you're trying to watch. And, <laughs> and I don't do that. Uh-huh. How dare you? And I'm <laughs> reading a book with Indy. At, uh, at night. All right. We're, we're, we're almost done. So I might, you know, I I can toggle. Uh-huh. I got other things. I can ramp up the, the wellness reading. But I'm hoping that that keeps me. So are you busy. still in book two or have you finished book two? I'm still in book two. Okay. So, so in two weeks, when we record again? Mm-hmm. Yes. Sure. Book two? Book two. Can you do it? Yeah, I can do that. Okay. Yeah. And the season and the True Detective finale. True Detective finale, book two of the Deluge. And then you're going to hear me talk about policy. Policy? Policy. What? Like the climate policy stuff we were just talking about? Yeah. You're going to really hear me go off. Nope. Bye-bye. Nope. I love you. So go home. I love you. Love you. Bye. Very special. Bye. 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 Bye.